This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I get to introduce you to the wonderful Toby Bloomberg. Toby, say hello. Hello. (laughs) Toby is a longtime friend, collaborator, and fellow freelancer. She works with organizations to help them empathize with their customers and effectively communicate to them through social media channels. So uh, an empathetic social marketer. (laughs) We originally met as members of the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association, and we've been through numerous fruitful and challenging projects over the years since. As many of the challenges as Toby has faced along her own journey, she remains one of the most kind and gentle people I know. I'm looking forward to her sharing her wisdom with all of us. Toby, tell us about you who you are, and uh, what's going on with you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so um, thanks very much for that kind and over-the-top introduction. So as my story goes, um, I was a traditional marketer until about 2004 when I launched a blog called Diva Marketing Blog on the American Marketing. And, and by the way, you were on the front edge of like the blogging wave in that regard, right? Yes, I, I was. I was <laughs> blogging before blogging was popular. I was one of the pioneers. And let me tell you, Jason, just to, to sidetrack a little bit, it was one of the best experiences in my entire career. Maybe yeah. even in my entire life. It totally changed my life. Yeah. I got to meet so many wonderful people, had some amazing experiences, and introduced um, companies to a brand new way to market. Yeah. <clears throat> And, and that was authentic conversations. Yeah. <clears throat> so, which we're still struggling with. <laughs> yeah, it's a human problem. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Um, but I've been, um, I've been in the, the virtual world for such a long time that people are struggling with doing that, but it's almost second nature to me like it probably is to you. You've been doing virtual work for such a long time as a freelancer. Yeah. Um, so from there, um, social media kicked in and I started helping people um, with their blogs and with social media channels and was having a great time. And then I was approached by um, a very large Um, at that point in time, media company and asked to come on board and head up media for them. And I did, it was a great job. I worked with corporation, well, with the corporate folks and radio, TV and newspaper. They had about 70 properties. Okay. And And around what year was that? It was about five years ago. Okay. And they, um, it was fun and I had a good time and I think we did some good work. And then all of a sudden they Decided one day that they needed to change direction, and so they said, thanks, but see you later. Yeah. So mm. eventually I started my business up again, and as my story is goes... That, is that around, because we, we did that one project, the Bright Star project, was that yes, around yes. the same time as that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting project, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, theater. And yeah. as a matter of fact, we started their website and we also started their social page on Facebook, mm-hmm. which is still running. And obviously it's, <laughs> yeah, awesome. we did some great work, but unfortunately the play never came to life. So, or came, came about. So, yeah, some interesting people, very yeah. talented. People. Yeah. Yeah. That so, was- so, and then, and then what, so you, you started this in 2000 or kind of ran with it from this transition yeah. that you faced in 2015 to today, uh, we worked with several on um, several clients together. 
um, you know, what, what else are, have you been doing as well? Um, after, after I did that, I didn't know what to do. I mean, yeah. I was, I, I was totally at a loss. Yeah. And I was bored and I was frustrated and <laughs> sad and, you know, it is how it is when you lose a job. Yeah. And so I decided I wanted to do something that gave me pleasure and that, that put me in a working situation with people that really loved what they were doing. Not that the people that I was working with didn't, but there was yeah. something missing. Mm. And what was missing for me was a true passion for the work that people were doing. So, you know, the tech people are passionate about their work, the yeah. lawyers, the doctors, well, the doctors are something quite different. And so what happened was I decided to go into the culinary world. I thought, mm. well, maybe I can make a business helping the cooks and the, the catering companies and the cookbook authors and the foodpreneurs yeah. and, because that's where I found the passion. And yeah. it was exciting to, to Did it, was it something you kind of knew was there and you, you just rediscovered it or was it a new discovery? Um, I knew it was there, but I didn't know how I could work through it to get to where mm. I was helping them with their marketing. Yeah. So it was, it was always in the background. Um, and I had a couple of food clients so yeah. I had realized that, but I wanted to totally focus on it. Yeah. So I spun off a sister company to my company, which is called Bloomberg Marketing yeah. and called it Diva Foodies yeah. because my blog back in the day was <laughs> the marketing. So yeah. I went to keep the brand and here we are today. And you and I have gone in and out with a lot of very yeah. interesting projects and hospitality being one of them. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. So I, I am curious now, because I don't know if I ever asked you, but where did the Diva, how did that as, as a brand even start? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> back when I first started my, um, my blog, I guess it was 2004, 2005, um, I had no intention of doing a blog because I had a website yeah. and I didn't need a blog, but I needed, to, I needed to figure out the logistics. And I had been writing a column for an online um, publication, and it was called Diva Marketing. Mm. And the publication had died, and I thought, well, that's sort of a fun name, and I could, I could do quirky things with it. So I would write a post, and I would throw in the word girlfriends, and I would throw in the um, shoes, and I would throw in martinis, yeah. and people sort of liked it. Even the guys liked it. Yeah. And so that's how it, it started. It came from uh, a long ago column. Yeah. That's funny. It's, it's kind of something that stuck. So, yeah. all right. So you're, you know, I mean, you've been through, through a lot together. So, uh, you know, we've, we've stayed connected um, over the years, the last few months, the world has sort of flipped upside down and, and changed dramatically in ways neither of us would have anticipated or expected. Uh, what are your thoughts about this crisis and how should we be looking at it and how should we be responding? And, um, you know, what, what, what words of wisdom do you have as we try and navigate this? <laughs> I, I just have one and that's breathe. Yeah. <laughs> don't panic, I, I don't have breathe. Any, yeah. Just, just breathe. I mean, we forget to literally, we forget to breathe. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it changes every single day. So I'm working with a client and we started positioning one way and then all of a sudden they're based a food company based in Atlanta and Atlanta's opening up. So we're positioning another way. And so yeah. what I've been finding is the companies that 
are um, are nimble, mm -hmm. and usually that's the smaller companies. The companies mm -hmm. that are nimble can spin on a dime, and they can change. Um, they can change positioning as long as, and this is really critical in, in any environment, as long as they keep their core values. Mm. So as long as they're true to their core values, then they're What would be, like, is there, is there an example where you would say a type of positioning would actually um, abandon their core values? Um, if the, if the, if the owners are principals of the company, mm -hmm. um, went off in a different direction. So mm -hmm. this isn't quite, quite a values driven, but it could be. So mm -hmm. say for instance, um, you, you really loved um, classical music, you loved opera. Yeah. And so you, you wrote, a, you wrote um, for that audience. Yeah. All of a sudden in this, in this world, you decided you needed something a little bit more edgy mm -hmm. and you wanted to go into hard rock, acid rock, or <laughs> you wanted to, to go into bebop. Well, your writing would change, your values yeah. might change, so the way that mm -hmm. your tonality might change because your client base would change. Yeah, an audience wouldn't necessarily go along that shift with you'd have to find a new audience, right? It's right. almost like start. You'd have to start a new business if you're going to make that dramatic of a shift. Probably. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, what else would you, would you say? You know, what does breathing mean to you? Does it mean just breathing literally, or do you mean like taking just a step to reflect? Does it mean um, something else? I I think both. I think yeah. it means it means calming down a little bit it means just taking time for yourself so so we talk a lot and especially now where we find this work-life balance we're back to that work work-life balance so on a personal basis taking time for yourself taking time sometimes it means taking time away from from your family because you're so involved with that that you can't see who you are anymore so taking time for yourself just to literally to breathe maybe it's a walk maybe it's going out into your backyard maybe it's sitting on your deck with a glass of wine just take time to breathe to reflect and then take time to take a look at your business and how how is your business model do your models need to change in order to in order to keep alive i mean yeah that's really the bottom line. Is your company going to make it to the other side? And yeah. if your company is going to make it to the other side, what do you have to do to get there? Mm -hmm. So taking that beat, maybe you don't breathe, but taking that extra beat yeah. you may not have before. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it means that you, um, you sit down and some people journal. Yeah. Ideas. Other people are great with, um, with brainstorming. Mm -hmm. um, some people need a mentor. Um, you yeah. are an amazing mentor, Jason. Well, thank you. <laughs> and they just need to bounce ideas off of somebody. So maybe you do a Zoom. Um, yeah. I belong to a mastermind group. Okay. We meet every other week, and we have for several years. And the women in that group have kept me grounded and yeah. have given me ideas on how to get to the next step. Okay. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah. So one of the visuals that comes to my mind, I kind of imagine a variety of movies where, you know, someone's like, jump, make the jump. Like they're trying to jump across a cliff or some, there's some chasm or gap and the person's like terrified, doesn't want to do it. So what you're describing is, is what they, they need to make this leap 
and, and change as opposed to stay where they are frightened and paralyzed. What's, what would you say to that person that, that needs to make that shift, that needs to change, that needs to build, be, look at their business model, but they're frozen or they're afraid or they don't want to change? <laughs> and, and, and it all centers on fear. Mm -hmm. So the more, and for me, the more information you can have to help you build the bridge, the easier it is to get over that bridge. Mm -hmm. So it may be that you might need to talk to some of your clients and ask them what they would do. Um, maybe you have an idea, you're not really sure if it's going to work. Yeah. You know, it, basically we're going back to marketing 101 research. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with this virus. Every day, new information keeps coming out. Every mm -hmm. day, people are are just a little bit more hesitant. Mm -hmm. And looking at the stats would freeze anybody. Yeah. Um, so from my point of view, it's, it's information. It's getting feedback from your customers. And also, not thinking that you have to make that leap. Mm -hmm that you can build the bridge and go a step by step by step so yeah. that you feel secure once you get to the other side. Yeah. And as you and I were talking about, this is not going to end tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if you can build that bridge and on the other side, you have a firmer foundation. Mm -hmm. If you take a little bit longer, then you may last a little bit longer. Yeah. And it kind of makes me just realize just how much, we, we tend to embrace the short term versus the long term. And right now it's, you know, you may make, we make, we can make decisions that might help us in the short term, but at the cost of the long term. And so the question is, do we want to sort of bite the bullet as the saying goes and, and just lean into it and start moving? Um, you know, it's like, it's that, <laughs> that human nature dilemma, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, now what we have to do is we have to define what that long term is. Yeah. So is it is it when this is over mm -hmm. and when this is over on the other side how long we don't know how long it's going to take yeah. maybe it's 18 months maybe it's 12 months. Yeah. So it, it's the now it's the it's the trail to the bridge yeah. and then it's the other side and once you get to the other side do you have systems in place that you can sustain and and grow from yes. yeah yeah it makes me think of you know the the game theory and you know simon Sinek talks about that in his new book but the idea that it's not about winning or losing this but it's about how long can we stay in the game and keep going and um and so because we don't know when the end is or if there is an end and it, you know it, the longer that we can Play that game the, the more effective we're going to be in solving problems and overcoming challenges yeah it's definitely a, a wobbly world and i've been calling it i've been calling <laughs> it through the alice in wonderland through the looking oh, glass yeah world. interesting is yeah it's, yeah it's, i mean would you compare it to anything you've experienced before or is it just that unique you know people are comparing it to 9 11 mm -hmm. but i think this is far so different for me. And I have friends in New York that are still traumatized from 9-11. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of anything. Yeah. I mean, in my I feel about that. It, it was a severe event, but it was just an event versus this is a cloud that's 
we don't know when or how or if it will go away. Yeah, yeah, Jason, and that's what makes it, I think, doubly, triply scary is that we don't know. I mean, even the scientists don't know. Yeah, there's so many uncertainties that it, any sense of control that we felt we had is now gone, which was probably more of an illusion than anything, but that illusion is gone. Yeah, and, and actually, this sounds a little weird, but if you think about that, that now the control is gone, isn't that what um, we've been saying to people in social media and in blogging mm. from day one? You don't really have any control. You think you do, but, you know. Uh. <laughs> so now here we are in a situation that exemplifies that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the obvious question that comes to mind for me is, so what are you going to do about that? What do you, how are you going to respond? And how, and how are you going to live maybe to the values point that you brought up? So, you know, the thing I, I write a lot, I sort of lean into is this idea of living better and working smarter. So what does that mean to you? What does it mean to live better and work smarter? And how do you go about it? And how do we do that even when, when it's getting crazy out there? Um, I, I think it ta- you take a look at for your business you take a look at the models that you're doing that you're working with and you see if there's a way that you can make them better um and by better i mean to help you Mm -hmm. and to help your business and to help your clients Mm -hmm. so if you take a look at marketing 101 again it's always about your clients so how can you help them Mm -hmm. if you can change your business model just a little bit to help them get through this then obviously they are going to help you as well Mm -hmm. i mean the um what comes to mind the, the fastest is is the way the grocery stores the slow to react granted But now they are, they're putting directionals on the floor so that you know oh, yeah. one way so that people don't bump into you. Not that everybody does, but yeah. um, I understand that uh, Whole Foods is supposed to be giving out masks oh, okay. to, yep, to customers that don't have them. Um, even um, the catering companies that we've been working with, what they're doing is they're putting on their website their procedures and processes so mm-hmm. that you can feel comfortable mm-hmm. when you order from them, that they're, they're following um, CDC guidelines and maybe going a little bit beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And do you, do you think, I mean, some of the first one, I think you gave um, the, the arrows and the grocery store, like some of these, like I've been wondering, like, why weren't we doing this before this happened? You know, <laughs> these are like good ideas. <laughs> So I don't know if you, if you felt that way, but that's definitely something I've seen. So what, what about on the personal side, you know, what does it mean to, to, to live better or live smarter and how does our work intersect with the two? Well, um, what I've been doing and I have to stop doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> what I've been doing is I've been, I've been doing a lot of cooking and baking. Okay. Why would you need to stop that? seems like a wonderful well, thing. Because I'm eating it. Uh, well, you got to find your neighbors and give it to them. Really? So yeah. I just made some cookies and um, yeah, so they're going to go to the people down the street. <laughs> but, um, but it relaxes me and, and it does something else for me. So, you know, we mentioned that I was focused on the food world. So my content um, on social channels is all about the culinary world and the, the fine beverage world and so what i've been 
doing is that the food that I've been preparing, I've been putting on my Instagram account, I've been putting yeah. on my Twitter account and on my personal Facebook account. And I've been getting some really interesting comments. So I'm not a chef by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But um, I think people like to see what home cooks are doing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the women that I met, and I totally believe that on social media, on Twitter, is a woman by the name of Leah McGrath, who is mm -hmm. the corporate dietitian for Ingalls. Mm -hmm. And she's a, a, a fabulous, bright, kind, wonderful woman. And what she started was a hashtag on Twitter that um, quarantine kitchen. And she's encouraging people to post what they've been, um, what they've been cooking, yeah. to share recipes. And she's created, I mean, she's always had a bit of a community, but she's created even more of a community because of that. Yeah. So you ask how, how I'm, I'm processing all this stuff. So going <laughs> on to, to her Twitter feed and seeing what other people are doing, sometimes mm -hmm. chefs will pop in and out. Sometimes it's just people like you and me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really been helpful. And then some of the online cooking shows mm. have been amazing. Yeah, so. yeah. That's awesome. So what is... Um, I mean, what, what is it about, like, essentially you found something that helps you, you know, be interested in, spend time on, focused on, as opposed to, you know, the storm outside. Yeah. What if somebody doesn't have that? Like, what would your advice be to them? That's an interesting question. And, <laughs> and it was something that it was asked, something like that was asked to me a, a couple of days ago. Um, by a, a friend who all of a sudden now is working virtually, never, never had before, and didn't quite know what to do with himself. And so he said, what do I do? And he's living alone. He said, what do I do? I have the work to keep me busy for so many hours, but then what do I do after that? And so my advice to him was find something outside of your work that makes you happy. And that could be something as simple as carving out time to read a book every day. It could be going for a walk. It could be a hobby that you've put on the back burner. But again, taking that breath, taking that beat for yourself to, to sort of depress, depress for a while. Yeah. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. So, I mean, would you say there's probably something in someone's life that, that they've done before that might give them clues to finding out what that might be, and they just need to take the time to, to, to think through that? Could be, or it could be something they've always wanted to do. Oh, and, yeah. and just, I mean, so if you've always wanted to plant a rose garden, mm -hmm. well, now's a great time to do that. Home Depot is open. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, um, so I, you, you know, I've wrote, written the two books, but um, this, the book, The Jump, um, yeah. as I've been reflecting on it, um, there's really two questions that, that I faced in my business journey before I became a consultant is the first was if I were to rebuild my business from scratch. So it kind of was created, but I was very reactive and it kind of became like a Frankenstein, you know, <laughs> so it was like, okay, if I were to rebuild this marketing company, what would that look like? So that's one question that comes to my mind from what you're saying is people can ask that, you know, maybe you don't have to change what you're doing, but what if how you did it was different? Maybe that would 
give you that joy. But the second question, and what I ended up when I ended up ending my business was, if I could do anything I wanted vocationally, what would that be? And I think what's interesting, at least for for some people that I've talked to, where their job or their business has been completely decimated by this situation, they now have an they don't have to go back to that thing that they were doing because it paid them. They actually can explore the thing they've always wanted to do. And as hard as that transition may be, it may be a blessing in disguise that allows them to actually move towards the thing they want, which is kind of what came to mind when you said what you just said. So <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you agree or disagree or what you yeah. think. Uh, absolutely. And, and the other thing right now is there are so many free courses online mm-hmm. that they may be able to find some training yeah. Um, yeah. that they, they wouldn't have had time for mm-hmm. if they were doing their real job. Mm, yeah 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 that's a good point and that leverage that margin and that new capacity to do something new or even even if you are busy you know you're not driving a lot of us um that i mean i wasn't driving a lot but i'm even driving less not as much as i used to but um and others that were driving to work every day you know now they've got all this time to to not telecommute so we definitely have a in some cases can have more time so when you think about, the, so there's one thing for us to, you know, lead ourselves or to, to be led by others, but to really kind of work through these things. How do we help others? How do we lead them? How do we inspire them? How do we teach them? How do we guide them? You know, I kind of imagine like these stairs that were going up and there's someone below the stairs that's trying to, to move up them the way that we have. So how do we help others through this situation? It's a really good question. Um, I think it's something that leaders struggle with all the time. And so you you want to be able to give the people that you're working with enough freedom Mm -hmm. um, not to micromanage them, uh, which is always um, a hard thing to do for a lot of people because as you mentioned before, we're giving up control. We don't know what's going to happen. I would say um, the more that you can involve the people that are on your team Mm -hmm. to make joint decisions, Mm -hmm. to do things together, um, the more they are going to not only respect you as as a leader and um, as a manager, but they're going to trust you. And I think in this time, it's one thing to have water cooler conversations and to, to build those relationships um, informally, face to face. Yeah, it's a challenge to build a relationship um, virtually, even mm. with Zoom. It's a challenge. Yeah. So, so here you. I read this the other day. So you're on Zoom. You've got so many people in all these little cells everybody is staring at you not necessarily but they are yeah it feels so, like it. <laughs> yeah it does so you know it's it's hard to do that and even on a one-on-one you know there's always the you know the shift the pick up the pencil this we'll take a we'll take a drink of coffee we'll you yeah. know take a so, take a drink of soda yeah so it, it it's hard to do that um and I think that the the more you can you can figure out little ways to um, to build that confidence in your team, the more likely you're going to come out on the other side stronger. Yeah. Uh, 
as as a, as a manager to to your staff and as staff to staff and um, I, I would just say one more thing is don't think that you have to do it alone and don't mm -hmm. think you know all the answers yeah you know, it's okay to let people help you yeah and I would say if you if if someone's not there or comfortable like this is a situation that's going to force that either you or either you learn that lesson or or you suffer um but i what i'm hearing from you is that it's really this this fundamental value of trust and building that trust and that we need that trust to get through the storm um because if i don't trust you and the storm is raging it's, it's hard to trust someone in the good times but when it's really bad it's it, it's essential and it, and it's so easy now to ghost somebody. Oh yeah, interesting. And the the other thing that that um, we might think about is if um, somebody is uncomfortable on a virtual platform like Zoom or or Microsoft, um, maybe the best way is just an old fashioned phone conversation. Mm -hmm. Maybe that might make people less fearful. You know, not to. Yeah. Have stare at you especially yeah. if you're if you're telling them something they don't like <laughs> yeah yeah i just heard about uber laid off 3500 people and mm. you know for obvious reasons they had to do it on zoom and man i mean the, i think the lady that that did it, i haven't watched the video yet but i think she you know it was really emotional for her to have to tell that to those people but and for them to hear it. i mean it's just it's like it's not like there's a good choice and a bad choice. It's like a bad choice and a worse choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's hard to navigate. So, so I guess, I guess shifting gears a little bit, you know, let's talk about stories. Stories shape us, narratives shape how we see the world and we love to consume stories, whether it's TVs or movies or books or whatever, fiction, nonfiction. So what's some, what's the story that shaped you and how can stories inspire us in the situation we're in? Uh, I, I love that question because <laughs> I love stories. So let me tell you one. Yeah. Let me tell you two. Okay. So um, when I was a very little girl, my father used to tell my sister and I bedtime stories. Mm -hmm. Most dads and moms do that. But my father made up a story of an elephant. And I don't even remember the elephant's name. But the elephant um, went on all these adventures and he went on adventures with two little girls named Toby and <laughs> <laughs> and um, I get goosebumps when I say this. And so um, it's something that that bonded my dad and me and my sister and my dad and, and me together. The story, that one little story about an elephant. And my sister started collecting elephants and she mm. even took some of the elephants to her, her wedding. Yeah. Um, so you, you just don't know what stories will have impact on you mm. um, and, and lead to other things. So the, the other thing is, in my past life, when I was working for the media company, I sat in on some um, morning news um, meetings yeah. where the news director, yeah, so the news director would, um, would sit, sit around <laughs> the table with the reporters, and he would say, um, okay, what you got? And they would pitch him stories of what they wanted to cover during that, that day or that news cycle. And he'd shake his head and listen to something, said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. And then when something really hit him, he would say, okay, 
now I care, go off mm. and do it. And the reporter would, would leave the room. So that little story within a story has influenced the way I look at content marketing. Mm. So if I'm telling a story, if I'm writing something on yeah. anything, whether it's an article or whether it's in social, um, if you don't care about it, if I can't make you care to some level, I keep remembering that yeah. news story. Uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do it. Mm -mm. Get, mm. get me something that makes me care. And I think nowadays, when we're looking at developing those stories for our clients, um, there are so many things out there that are cheesy mm -hmm. and, and so many things that are easy to do, like, yeah. oh, I'm, that are, are inauthentic, mm -hmm. that we forget that it's not going to make me care. It's going to turn me off. Mm -hmm. So I think what I'm hearing from you is that the inf there's so much information out there and, and the information you want is easily found. and what makes why should i care what what you have to say and so there's something we have to infuse into what we share to make it unique and interesting and relevant to the to the audience is that that and and to and to bring and to bring that empathetic as you mm. mentioned before that empathetic marketing point of view so um just today i was reading an article about how general mills of canada was um, putting together an advertising campaign for Cheerios. Mm. And they had the campaign all set before this happened. They were, they were gonna go um, with the Olympics. They had all these Olympic, Canadian Olympic athletes that were mm -hmm. going to be part of, of their campaign, but they knew they couldn't do that at this point. So what they did is they, they pivoted, whether you like the word pivot mm. anymore, but they pivoted pretty quickly and they put together a, um, um, an animated character who is, uh, it's running in Canada right now, so who is um, a food bank worker. Mm. And they showed the world through him. Yeah. So, and how he's packing all these foods. And of course, subtly, in the boxes that he's packing are boxes of Cheerios. Yeah. It, it's subtle. Um, and then their next phase of this campaign, which I think is really interesting, is they're going to bring back the athletes. And the athletes in, in the campaign are going to cheer. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to cheer the food bank workers on. Okay. And each athlete that has a, a cheer for a food bank person, they are going to be talking to a specific person. So it could be Jason from the Atlanta Food Bank. And that person that they're talking to that they are celebrating, okay. that person will be on its Cheerios package. The mm. package is not for sale, but they'll okay. give the So instead of celebrities being on it, it'll be these new frontline workers and people that are... Right. But, but the thing that's interesting is that they're going to be combining celebrities oh okay because the athletes this you know the, the oh, Olympic okay. athletes are going to be the people that are going to be introducing the front oh, line okay interesting brilliant isn't it yeah and, it's pretty cool yeah what's even more i thought um um authentic or what made it more authentic is that um general mills has had a foundation for many many years 
and they've supported uh, food banks and they've supported mm. food insecurity. So it's not as though they're jumping off into yeah. something really new. And they're and essentially bringing to light something that already was there in a exactly. more prominent way. So, yeah. so what if someone hears what you're describing this this story, this inspirational story, and they said, "Man, I want to do something like that for my business. I want to have something that's not tone deaf to what's happening, but is also um, uplifting in a for a variety facet variety of facet ways." what would your advice be to them on how to discover that campaign for their own business? Um, take a look at, take a look at their values, take a look at what they've done, take a look at their customers. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm doing is I'm doing something on Instagram and Twitter that I call story it forward where every single day, and it's been going on for about 50 days, I highlight a small business doesn't necessarily have to be in Atlanta or Georgia, although the majority are. But today I highlighted a, a candy company in New Zealand. Yeah. And I story it on um, Instagram. I also put it on, a, on my page as a permanent post. And I put it on Twitter as a permanent post. Mm. So it cost me time to look yeah. for the cost me a little bit of time to put it together. But it's doing something that I hope for the greater good. And if one of these little businesses just gets a couple of new clients, then it's worth it to me. Yeah. So, and so what I think I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be as grandiose as putting somebody's picture on a cereal box or creating an animated mm -hmm. new, um, new cartoon. It could be something very simple that you can do to impact. Yeah. Um, so, at the end of the day, and again, when we cross over to the next phase of, of our lives, I do believe people are going to be asking companies, and so what did you do during the, the pandemic? Yeah. How did you help your community? Um, a friend of mine just graduated from college, yeah. and she said one of the questions that she was going to ask new employers when she was interviewing is, what did you do? And if mm -hmm. they couldn't come up with an answer that satisfied her, she's going to walk out the door. Yeah. Cause if, it, if there's an open market with a lot of op, uh, candidates, you're going to want to pick the people that didn't just sit around and waited. They, they did something and made but even, an impact. But even more than that, Jason, it tells you something about the culture of the company. Oh, that they're even asking it. Yeah. That there is that the, the, uh, that the candidate is asking it and what and the response. From oh, the okay. So if the company says, oh, well, you know, we gave our employees more time off or we mm. made sure they, they had this, that, or the other thing, or, you know. We made so sure they now, had so everyone can treat people well in, in abundance, but how does this company treat their people when it's really bad? And that tells me if I want to work for that company or not, right? Yeah. Or what yeah. did you do for the community? Did, mm -hmm. were you... Did you make um, a contribution? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And for consultants, maybe, you know, for service people that are in our business, maybe they offer um, some free consulting. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe because we can't offer food. I could give you a cookie, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, you know, what, what can you give back? So for me, I can give back social credibility. Yeah. And that's what the story at Ford is. It's social credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. 
So talk about a little bit about stories. Let's talk about systems, you know, whether they're technical or human, we're all a part of or a creator of systems um, and they drive how we think and act. Tell us about what you think of systems and how you use them and how important they might be. You are probably one of the best people I know when it comes to <laughs> systems. And so, but it's interesting in this time because if you take a look at your business, yeah. And you see how things are interconnected. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is is broken or mm -hmm. the lines stop. They don't yeah. So going back to a question that you asked me before, what might people do? Perhaps that's one of the things they do is take a look at their current systems. And what I'm finding in, with a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, is that those systems are not interconnected. So go into a, a food world just because it may be um they're lacking intentionality is that what you mean they're lacking well not even intentionality they're 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 lacking the the, the pieces that put it together mm -hmm. so um so we have one piece of your system but it's not connected how does it connect yeah. how does it integrate um so you might have um um it might be as simple as a website that doesn't really link to your e-commerce so I was talking to a, a company that has a small gift store um, in a town north of, uh, of Atlanta, and she had a um, an e-commerce site put together. And I said, I went on to your site. Where's the link for your for your sales? And she said, Oh, we haven't put it up yet. Oh. I said, How do people know that you're selling online? She said, oh, well, you know, if they ask, we can tell them. Well, that's a disconnect with a system. Mm -hmm. So you have your website with all these pretty products, but the link to the, to the sales, to the commerce is gone. So that, that's something. The, the, so it's um, at the link to, to your social. Yeah. Um, little icons are not necessarily there. Um, the link to customer care. Mm -hmm sometimes isn't there either yeah. so within the within the business world and if it is how, how do they integrate yeah. how do you make it so that it's i think what i'm really talking about is a 360 view of your yeah. customer and your business so it, yeah it, well is that neglect because people are so busy that they just never do that Can, the interconnection the integration of those pieces uh, maybe, else. It's, maybe it's they just don't think about it okay especially for smaller companies but even larger companies yeah. um, one of the things that i found is that um we did some research for a client on restaurants in atlanta to see what restaurants were offering uh, yeah. delivery so just and this is a process that most of these large restaurants have advertising or public relations companies. The little yeah. ones not so much, but the bigger ones certainly do. And when people were were um, offering delivery online, I would say the majority of them on their homepage didn't even mention it. So you'd click yeah. on, you wouldn't see anything, and you'd click right off. Go look for somebody yeah, else. Yeah, if, if, if I don't think that you do online ordering, in the current climate, I'm going to find someone else because that's what I'm looking for. And who these companies that are integrating may be losing out on a lot of business, which in this season is like the worst time to lose out on a lot of business. Yeah, yeah. So what are you seeing people do? 
with with processes? Um, I one one thing that's interesting is a lot of some of the clients that I've been working with or that I have been working with for an extended period of time are doing a lot of the things that I've said they sh they ought to do um, a while ago. <laughs> but the situation <laughs> is sort of forcing that to happen. And so I'm very grateful for that because it's like, okay, um, if I would have known that this would, what it would have taken, you know, <laughs> but um, so, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet type of a, a dynamic, but it's good to see these companies doing these things that, that I've advocated for. And I can lament a little bit with um, uh, Bill Gates talked about, you know, he's been talking about pandemics for years, maybe even a decade, just that we're not prepared and there's things we need to be doing. Da, da, da. But I saw a recent article, I think yesterday, that just talked about like, you know, his 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 prophecy, so to speak, uh, fell on deaf ears and, and that it, it's really been hard for him to reconcile that, that he did what he did, but it wasn't enough, you know. And so, I can I can relate to that in the sense that, you know, certain companies didn't do things they should have done before this happened, um, but I am glad that some of them are now doing those things. Um, so I don't know if that if that's what you were looking for, but that's what comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I just recently read that the Gates Foundation was putting all of its energy towards the pandemic. Yeah, so I mean, and there's a lot of benefits that that we get from other people and organizations that we don't even realize. And I think one of the things that I've recognized is just this idea of the shoulders that we're standing on um, are giants. And so much of what we expect and rely on in our society um, are kind of crumbling in some ways or just being paused or being changed. And we're getting to recognize and hopefully appreciate the things that we've taken for granted for so long. And that's something that I've, I've def I definitely, you know, appreciated as part of the process. All I can say is that I can't imagine the world we're living in without the technology that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's another piece is when you look at history, you know, the Spanish flu, and um, and and others, you know, the, the I mean, the worst the worst pandemic was the bubonic plague, the Black Plague, and it killed half half the world. <laughs> so to think about like even a hundred years ago during the Spanish flu, they going through, going through something like that and not having the technology that we have. I mean, it's like, man, it, it would have been rough. I mean, and a lot of it was, they didn't even know it was happening to some degree that what they, what's happening, they don't even know. So it's, it's like people are just dying and you don't know what's happening and why. And, and it's, it's slower to figure things out and slower to share that information and slower to react. And, um, so yeah, I pretty much, I would agree with you and your, uh, and your grateful log. <laughs> so, so in, you know, kind of, to kind of pull things back around here, you know, life can be unfair and challenging and hard, but it can also be joyful and prosperous and wonderful. You know, as we're going through this and we have this roller coaster of both of these types of moments, you know, how, what, what are your parting words of wisdom for us? Oh my gosh, you know, you put <laughs> into something that is like so high. Um, I think, um, well, what my mother used to, to say to me when things were really rough in my life, um, she used to say, don't let it get to you. Mm -hmm. Don't let it get to you. Like, it, it, it'll be okay. Um, so I think that's what I've 
would convey, don't let it get to you. And however that don't let it get to you means, <laughs> whether it means baking chocolate <laughs> cookies or working an extra hour or going out for a walk or, or Zooming with your yeah. family, um, which can be, I mean, a real um, interesting <laughs> adventure to say the least. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you, I've Zoomed and talked to my cousins more within the past three yeah. weeks than I have yeah. in years where we see well, each other a couple of times. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I wonder if me and you have an advantage in the sense that you were, we, we blogged when, when it was not cool. Um, but we kind of met, we made friends online. I mean, we, I think we both have friends that we've never actually met yeah. <laughs> because we met them online. Yeah. And and in some ways, you kind of get to know, you can get to know people more and faster in that kind of remote way um, than people that live nearby, you know, and, um, and perhaps there's something there for us to, to share with others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I totally agree. Uh, I have so many friends, and, and I truly believe that they are friends who um, I've never met, who I've met online. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, funny. It's true. You can build real relationships <laughs> online. Yeah. So is there anything you wanted to share that we didn't get to or that we skipped or missed? Or? Um, I think just one more thing. And what I'm um the um the interviews that I'm doing. So one of the things that I'm really interested in is how you call them business processes, I might call them business models, mm -hmm. how the business models are changing within the food ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to people in all different segments of the food world, from grocery stores to farmers, to retailers, mm -hmm. to um, food makers, uh, to chefs. Um, and I've asked how their businesses have changed what systems they've put into place and what they think they may carry forward to over the other side. Mm -hmm. And as you very wisely said to me, when I asked you for advice a few <laughs> months, a few weeks ago, actually, <laughs> I, you know, the days just that are going. To <laughs> it's <other>. fast wording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, Jason, should I take each one of those interviews and put them into a different blog post and you said no put them into one rolling post mm. which was great advice so um i've been learning a lot and what um these people have been sharing has been really interesting so um i would encourage your people if they're interested at all in how businesses are changing models and yeah. what they might do to go to debafoodies.com okay. and you'll see, I think it's the second one, the second post on the page. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the thing I'm, I'm, I'm learning from you when you say all that is we need to listen. We're not listening and this. And if we take the time to listen, we can actually learn some answers that will be profoundly important to us individually and as, as a society. Is that a good way to encapsulate what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, and, and not only not only we'll learn things, but we may be inspired mm. to know that there are people who are in similar situations that have found a way around yeah. something that we may borrow. Yeah, okay, interesting. So, all right, well, tell us how people can connect with you, you know, divafoodies.com is, is one place. Um, where, where else can they connect with you? Um, what else are you doing? And if people are interested in working with you, what does that look like? 
um, divafoodies.com, mm -hmm. or bloombergmarketing.com. Okay. So Bloomberg Marketing is the overarching umbrella, and Diva Foodies is specifically okay. for food. Um, that webpage has been updated more frequently than Bloomberg Marketing, but Bloomberg Marketing has all of what I've done and um, lots of stuff. So on social, yeah. um, on on Twitter, it's um, at Toby Diva okay. or at Diva Foodies. On right. Instagram, the same thing at Toby Diva or at Diva Foodies. Okay. Um, and on Facebook, it's at Diva Foodies. Okay. Awesome. So, um, love to to work with um, small businesses, large yeah. businesses, but but companies that want to make a difference to their customers and as we've talked about before are interested in empathetic marketing mm -hmm. because what i truly believe in is that in order to get to the other side you have to take care of the here and now mm -hmm. yeah and if you don't take care of the here and now when the other side does come and it will it yeah. definitely will it will look different but it will come mm -hmm. um, there are going to be other companies that will take your clients yeah. Or you won't be alive to see the other time. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging time, but I think um, adapting is, is, you know, and that, I guess that's an interesting opportunity is it feels like a fresh slate. And the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to build on that fresh slate? Yeah, and I thank you so much for the opportunity. As always, it is so fun to talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm excited uh, uh, to be able to share this with others. So thank you. Thanks. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life.